0: Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'leef Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. I pray that you are all doing well. Alhamdulillah. It is an honor and a privilege to be with you. Alhamdulillah. Um, please, inshallah, let's start our class with uh the, with surah fatiha oh this is weird hold on let's see if we can fix this inshallah <laughs> let's start uh, our fatiha uh for sumira samira alzaid there we go alhamdulillah let's start um inshallah for the intention to give this gift to her be inilla that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would accept it from us alhamdulillah and again, that's for our Shaykhah Samira Azayyid. May Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala accept it from, from us on her uh, record, on her bi he She's the one who has compiled this beautiful text for us, wa alhamdulillah. And without further ado, uh, let's recite our intention for tonight. Bismillah rahman rahim I intend to learn and to teach, to benefit and to be benefited, to remind and to be reminded to call to the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger, sallallahu to guide and to be guided by sound proof and correct knowledge, to seek the countenance of my Lord, nearness to him and his reward. Ameen, Allahumma Ameen. We're also here by the intention to expose ourselves to the mercy of Allah, to expose ourselves to his maghfirah, his expansion, his generosity, to his guidance and his protection, we're here by the intention to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase us in a knowledge and a wisdom by which will elevate our rank and expand our understanding, by which we gain proximity to Allah Jal by following the sunnah of the prophet Muhammad and by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would allow us to enter into Jannah al by his generosity, by his mercy, by his mercy, by his mercy, alhumma ameen. Bismillah. So last week we left off uh, discussing those who had attacked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in moments of vulnerability that they were then shown two lions, right? And uh, SubhanAllah, as they were shown these two lions, there was proof, of course, of the miracles that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala was showing, number one, about angels, but also how he could make something of of a phenomena appear at a a particular time in order to to protect the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so these miracles were showing, every Prophet comes uh, with miracles. And there are the miracles are significant because they actually they come with every prophet to prove their prophecy to prove their sagacity to prove that they are emissaries of God And subhanAllah, these miracles do not always occur when uh, upon the command of the prophet but they also occur in protection of prophets, which is what happened in in the case that was seen. And miracles are something, is that literally when we begin to uh, define a miracle, it is the suspension of the customary norm, right? Meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does things customarily a particular way, And so in the moment that he suspends that, or he has something enacted that is not necessarily from the norm, we begin to recognize the presence of Allah, the power of Allah, or in many times, just even the intervention of Allah. And that's the opportunity for those who, are, who aren't who are believers, who aren't Muslim, of course, to, to recognize something is different, something has occurred. There's another power in place. But also, there's, a, there's an aspect of it that one has to be able to recognize, right, what is the goodness? What is the khayr, Like in the case of the multiple times that the Quraysh actually plotted against the prophet send them and there would always be something like in the case of abu jahl the, the huge camel that came and stood between him and the prophet send or the times when they can hear him praying but they can't see him and they can hear his voice in different areas and yet allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed a veil over their own vision Right? That customarily, they can see. Customarily, their eyes do exactly what they have always been doing. But yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala suspends their ability to see in that moment. Uh, Also in the case of the lions, is that they know that, why would there be two lions there that are attacking the person coming toward him, yet not doing any harm to him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is actually showing the goodness and the truthfulness of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and that he's divinely protected. And so it becomes, it, it's a, a huge matter when those who are shown miracles then continue to act in rebellious manner against Allah, right? It becomes more. It becomes a, a, a more heavy weight testimony over them when Allah Azawajal has shown them His power and shown them the the goodness of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and yet they are literally kufr Kufr means to cover up. They are literally covering up what their hearts and their souls know, right? They even, they have felt the, the fear of what they themselves are experiencing. They themselves are witnessing as much as we are aggressing toward him. He is actually not uh showing that same aggression towards us as much as we show him and intend him harm he only returns back to us peace he only returns back to us salam he only becomes more climate in his nature he never then uh gives a counter attack so this was huge opportunity for those uh, who were attacking him to you know to be able to believe yet they're covering up their fitrah and they're covering up their fitrah with their ego with their tribalism with their attachments to dunya with their attachments to status even telling themselves that this was the religion of their forefathers but they're very familiar with the religion of Ibrahim. They're very familiar with the stories of Prophet Ibrahim and his Tawheed and his oneness. So when they say the religion of our forefathers, they're talking about some of the generations that preceded them, but yet they are aware. And again, if you ask uh, the, the, the average Arab Quraysh even at that time, do they believe in Allah? They say, yes, we believe in Allah. But we also believe in the power of these other uh, idols. And so it's not a matter of that that any of it, what the prophet is completely foreign. It's a matter of that they have gained a certain status and a certain position because of these idols and what lifestyle it has afforded them, what the hajj has afforded them. And they don't want to give that up. And so they allow these things to cover up kufr, literally uh, smothering their heart and their soul in a darkness so that even when the light of miracles are shown to them, they don't recognize it, right? And it's important because miracles are a portion of faith. Right? Miracles are a part of our ibadah. Like, it's a part of our aqidah. It's a part of our most basic creed that if, to deny miracles, especially miracles of the Prophet, is to deny uh, the full understanding of, of Nabuwa. Right? And so it becomes, it's huge uh, for us to be able to accept um, miracles because it also speaks to the power of Allah wa right? It speaks to Allah's power. It also speaks to his will. It speaks to his choice, right? And so, uh, you know, we don't want to miss that. Moving forward with uh, specifically tonight's class, inshallah, as our dear beloved brother last week gave a little bit of hint, that many of the companions as well as our scholars uh, begin to teach us that when uh, those two uh, lions were presented, that it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was foretelling something, right? And there are two lions, that there would be two lions who would come to, to, to protect the messenger of Allah, alayhi salatu wa And that brings us uh, to the story of his uncle as well as his milk brother, Hamza. And so Hamza, uh, who, again, he was the uncle, but yet he was nursed by the same mother as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he was only uh, roughly about four years older than the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but they were nursed by uh, some of the same women. And because of that, that made them milk brothers. And so, subhanAllah, one particular day, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sadly was, you know, of course, again, minding his own business, uh, performing his own Ibadah, again at the Kaaba, and Abu Jahan approaches him. And when Abu Jahan takes this moment and says, Again, I'm gonna use this moment to insult him, and as he's insulting the Prophet ﷺ, he uh, one day the Prophet Wasallam actually was uh, near the Kaaba, excuse me, on his way to Mount Safa, and as he's on his way to Mount Safa, Abu Jahan uh, stands in his way, and he begins to insult him and call him names and say horrible things about the beloved Messenger of Allah Some narrations even say that he threw. Dirt on his head, which is a a huge insult. But the Prophet of Allah not having the command from Allah to retaliate, right? But actually having at that moment for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded him to be peaceful, to return their ignorance with peace, to return their harshness with gentleness and with clemency. And so the Prophet actually does not respond. Now that evening, uh, you know, after he's insulted and he's thrown dirt on his head, Abu Jahan is sitting in a group of his peers. And as he's sitting in a group of his peers, he is literally, subhanAllah, kind of bragging about how he insulted the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he's bragging about it he's boasting about it he is speaking ill of him uh in this circle insulting him calling him names uh and also saying you know basically how he is taking away taking us away from the religion of our ancestors he's taking he's calling us away from our gods and our idols he's insulting the gods of the Adams of the Quraysh, and so he's just going in and in uh And and word gets to Hamza, his uncle. And Hamza is known for his broad shoulders and his large stature. He's also known for his fierce fighting ability, that he's known to be a a strong warrior. And so when Hamza, uh, you know, begins to hear, he gets word uh, from He gets word uh, from someone, actually, one of the Muslims saying, Yeah, oh Hamza, oh, have you heard how Abu Jahan insulted, right? Uh, The son of your brother. Have you, if you would have seen how he harmed him, how he, you know, beat him up through dirt in his head, and Hamza becomes angry, right? He becomes, he rises in uh, fury, in anger. And so he marches towards Abu Jahan, and as he marches towards Abu Jahan, uh, he goes and he says, you know, have you insulted, right, the son of my brother? There is a deep, in this moment, there is a deep sense of honor right? And this honor comes from, this is still my family. So there's a, a strong sense of, of, I. it's my responsibility to look out for my nephew, right? Even though he's only four years younger than him, there's a deep sense of, it's my job uh, to protect him. And there's a deep sense of, you don't harm, you know, that which is, that is you don't harm my family, that which belongs to me, right? And so Hamza, radhi uh, allahu ta'ala anhu has a you know feels this this deep uh you know this deep anger and rage towards abu Jahl because he uh has disrespected his family and so with that being said abu Jahan, you know uh you know he goes and he and hamza literally gets in his face and takes his bow right his bone air takes his bow and hits him with it to the point that he creates a gash in his chest, right? That he opens up and creates like, you know, a wound in his chest. And at that moment, those who were sitting, the men who were sitting beside Abu Jahan stand up, right? To also defend uh, his, you know, to defend their family, right? To defend their side. But Abu Jahan, SubhanAllah, uh, and they recognize, <coughs> oh, funny I say that, sorry about that. <laughs> Um, subhanAllah Hanullah, Lahm Salih, and I Muhammad, Rabbi Ishrah, and he said, Yes, sir, the Ambri, but Sorry about that. So, again, at the moment that Hamza, Radi Allah Ta'ala, and finds Abu Jahan in the masjid, uh, he goes. And he, you know, says to him, "Did you insult the son of my brother?" <clears throat> he strikes him with his bow, leaving a deep, an ugly cut, an ugly wound. And Subhanallah, those sitting next to Abu Jahan stand up, you know, to defend Abu Jahan. And they know, they know that even in their stance, in their posture, right, in their defensive stance and posture, they know that you know Hamza is formidable, right? That he is. Uh, that he is not an easy opponent. So they don't do this, you know, uh, without carefulness. They didn't just attack him or they, you know, were certain not to just uh, return that. As a matter of fact, mm, as a matter of fact, uh, he, he threatens Abu Jahan after he cuts him, right? And says, return that if you dare. Like, I dare you to come to come give me back what I gave to you. I dare you to try it, right? SubhanAllah. And we begin to see the kind of lion that we, that SubhanAllah, that Hamza is in that moment. And he says to him, you know, do you insult him because of his religion? And then Hamza says, I also have accepted his religion. Right? Meaning that if you're, you know, if you are attacking him, if you are harming him, insulting him because of what he believes in, then Hamza says, then come attack me for what I believe in. Right? And he claims his Islam in front of Abu Jahl as well as the other Qurayshi leaders, which is huge. Right? And so Abu Jahl in that moment, they're stunned. They're stunned at what Hamza has said. Because even in that moment, that wasn't something even Abu Talib had, had, had presented to them. Even Abu Talib, who, you know, defended the Prophet them. he never said to them openly in that way, I, def- you know, uh, I too believe in his religion. And so for Hamza to say that, these are new words coming from Hamza. And they were shocked, right? They were shocked and they were stunned. And so then they, of course, question it. Like, Hamza, are you saying? And he says, you know, there's no God but Allah and Muhammad, my nephew, right? The son of my brother, is the messenger of Allah sallallahu And he leaves them. And Abu jahal at that moment tells them, leave him, leave him, for I did insult the son of his brother. Meaning that he has right to be angry. He's like, I bitterly, right? I bitterly insulted his nephew. And so because of that, you know, he has reason to be angry, so for that, I'm. I'm. We'll just leave him for now. But then, I, you know, Hamza has made a claim that he hasn't thought about the 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 real the in the internal meaning of it. And Shaitan comes and whispers. He comes and he whispers and he sends all kinds of doubt. What yahubina to uh, to the the Prophet sallam, uncle Hamza, ta'ala, he sends him these doubts where he says, you know, do you know what you've said? Do you know what you've committed to? Are you sure you're not an apostate? Are you sure you haven't left the religion? Have you not insulted your ancestors by leaving their religion? What about the gods that you used to believe in? What about this? What And shaitan just whispers. He's just, he's just giving all kinds of waswas, right? to the point that he he goes, right? And he's, uh, you know, he sets out in the morning to find the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and just pour out his heart to the Messenger of Allah. And he says, oh Muhammad, I'm so conflicted for I've said something that I don't have knowledge about. I've said it out of love for you. I've said it out of protection for you. But the reality of it is, is that I have no idea what I've just said. I have no idea about the knowledge of that. And I'm not the type of man that can just settle into something that I don't know. Right? And so, subhanAllah, even in this moment, there are huge lessons for us. There are huge implications into the beliefs of of this about how do we treat new converts, right? Because initially, when converts first take shahada, there is a gung ho. You know, there's uh, there might be they might even have ulterior reasons, ulterior motives for why they took shahada. Maybe their boyfriend was a Muslim. Just keeping it real. Maybe their girlfriend was a Muslim. Maybe somebody in their family. Maybe they just, you know, sometimes Um, Being Muslim is about this, you enjoy the protection of a certain group, uh, depending on where you are in the inner city or in prison or different matters. Um, Sometimes people uh, take Shahada because, you know, of a feeling. They don't necessarily have the knowledge uh, to to back it up. Sometimes it's just something that impressed them. It's just another Muslim that impressed them. Sometimes it's uh, something inexplainable, inexplicable. Why they would then say the shahada and most most of the time they don't have all of the knowledge of it, of the meaning of it. Most of the time they don't have all those details about aqidah and all those details about who is the Prophet Muhammad and, you know, angels and qadr and divine decree and, you know, they don't have those six articles of faith, Right. They don't always have that. And, and so what Shaitan does is that immediately, and we have to be very careful that when someone first takes shahada, sometimes we're just right on them, right? Sometimes we're we're just excited and we are, you know, right there in that moment. We hug them, and we embrace them, we shout Allah Akbar Allahu, Akbar Allahu Akbar. And then the next day they're completely alone, right? To themselves to figure it out. And so it becomes extremely important that there's someone in place who sits with them and gently guides them through the process. That is exactly what the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did with his uncle Hamza allahu ta'ala an, that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sat with him and began to explain to him the deen. And inside of this, we also get the methodology, right? We get the methodology is that he, he, first he listens to his concerns and his fears. And he assuages, he removes you know, uh, his concerns and he starts from where he is. What are you concerned about? If you're concerned about your ancestors, well, let's trace it back a little further. If you're concerned about your status, well, is that more important than Allah? He begins to talk to him about even his former religion. right? So for example, if you come across a convert, who's a former Christian or a form or former Jew, to be able to talk to them from their belief point of view, to be able to make references from that which they're familiar with. and so the, and, and then to be able to reason with them from that point of view. And Subhanallah, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, begin to speak to Hamza even about his belief in idols and talk to him about the oneness of Allah and Tawheed and how multiple gods, right, cannot be all powerful all the time. He begins to speak to Hamza and give him glad tidings of Jannah. He speaks to him of a hope of meeting Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and dying in a state when Allah is pleased with you but he also doesn't shy away from fear. He doesn't shy away from mentioning to him hellfire. He doesn't shy away from speaking about the grave or that Allah being displeased. He doesn't shy away from that. And a lot of times this is something that Muslims of today, we shy away from it, right? That we can talk about the good and we can talk about you know the easy and, and we, we talk about Allah's mercy, but subhanAllah, A lot of times we're not fair in discussing. Allah also has boundaries. I was recently uh, on the train with a beautiful, beautiful spirit, a beautiful woman. And she sat down beside me and I had no idea that um, she would speak to me. Uh, And this was someone that normally you wouldn't think just based on her appearance, you wouldn't think that she would be interested in Islam. She probably spent more than two hours on the train speaking to me about what is it that Muslims believe? I sat and taught her details, she was interested, and she wanted to know more and more and more questions about even details of aqidah that I haven't even gotten an opportunity to ask some of my students. She asked me, do you believe in the afterlife? What happens to the soul or what happens to the person in the afterlife? People want to know. What you know. What can I expect And is it a case of that? I'm dead. and If I'm dead, I'm done. And if I'm not dead and if I'm not done when I'm dead, then what should, what should I expect? What can happen? There is, there is a fundamental human question about who am I really? And what is my purpose in life? And what happens, right? What happens to me after I die? And what happens to that purpose? And do I go on? And so, subhanAllah, again, uh, when we look at the messenger of Allah, this is a moment where we begin to actually draw a very simple roadmap for how to give someone da'wah as well as for how to comfort the heart of a very new believer, a very new Muslim, especially a new Muslim who has done something because of their love for someone else. Right, that they have become Muslim because of their love for someone else. A lot of times, we, we might dismiss. Some people might dismiss and say, "Oh, that person only became Muslim because they, you know, they're in this relationship." And who knows if it. Subhanallah, it, the bait that Allah uses to guide you back in is not it, is not really our business, right? The our business is to make sure that you then get that that you're then armed with the knowledge. Right? That the converts are then armed with the knowledge that they need that will be a soothing for their soul and an answer to their questions, an affirmation of, of their hopes, and yet an explanation of the things uh, that they should be concerned about, that they should be fearful about, subhanAllah. And so with that, inshallah, we get to the next Omar, uh, the next lion in the life of the prophet, sallallahu and that's Omar ibn Khattab ta'ala anhu. Now, Omar ibn Khattab ta'ala was actually, uh, you know, he was actually, uh, he was preparing to travel to Abyssinia, I'm sorry, um. Uh, that Umar ibn Khattab, radiallahu ta'ala, and forgive me, was sitting uh, in a gathering of leaders. And in the gathering of leaders, they were, they were speaking about those who had begun uh, to travel to Abyssinia and those who were migrating and some of the happenings that had happened as a result of their migration to Abyssinia and their interaction and, and what kind of you know, uh, attention that was putting on the Arabian Peninsula and how this was going to change their livelihood and people's belief in their idols. And as Omar, al-Khattab uh, radiallahu ta'ala is listening to this, he actually has the opposite feeling that Hamza has. Listen to this, right? That someone, that the same thing that could be a means for someone's guidance could actually be the means for someone's misguidance. So Omar al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala right? He is like infuriated by this. This is so beautiful. Because in the end, both their paths lead to Allah. SubhanAllah. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can take a circumstance. One person, right, immediately he hears the Quraysh talking about how their religion is being changed and how he's changing people's minds. And that becomes a means by which he enters into Islam. Now in the case of Umar al he's hearing that same conversation and he becomes more convicted that the Prophet sallam, is not the Messenger of Allah, more convicted, more angry but subhanAllah, but right? Allah still guides him. And so he is on, you know, and so subhanAllah, he's on his way to find the Prophet sallam, and he's like, this is it, today is the day, today is the day I'm going to kill Muhammad. Allah, right? This is, he's like, today is that day. Just look. At how someone can be an enemy of Islam, that they could actually be on their way to kill Muslims. I heard this even about Operation Desert Storm, that there were some soldiers who had gone into Iraq, of course, with the intention of, of being enemy combatants uh, to the Muslims. And SubhanAllah, in the end, many of them, more than 8,000 of them converted to Islam as a result of their experience and their interaction with Muslims, SubhanAllah. And so Omar al-Khattab, he hears this, he's angry. And he's like, I'm going, he's going to find the prophet. He's going to find Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And as he's on his way, he's actually uh, stopped. Right, he's actually stopped in his tracks. And I'm I'm doing the shortened, the shortened version, and he meets Nuaim Abdullah. Right. And so as he stops and he, he stops in his tracks, and he Nuaim asks him, Where are you going? So furiously, Ya Omar. Right. And at this time, Nuaim actually is the secret Muslim he's Muslim, but he's hiding it. He's not outwardly a Muslim. And so he goes and he speaks about, you know, he talks about Muhammad and he talks about how he is, you know, misguiding people and taking them away from uh, the religion of their ancestors and the religion of their forefathers. And he says, you know, I'm on my way to kill him. And he says, oh, but Omar, have you heard about your sister? Right? Have, you, have you heard the business of your sister? He's like, what do you mean? What about my sister? It's like, yeah, your sister Fatima has become a Muslim, her and her husband. And he becomes, Omar is like, what? And he tells him, yes, I, before you go try to kill the Prophet, sallam, you might want to go handle your own direct affairs. And he tells him, you need to go handle your own matters. Subhanallah. And so Omar ibn Khatab radiallahu ta'ala, and immediately then takes an about face and heads towards his sister's house. Now, at that moment, uh, his sister and her husband are uh, actually taking Qur'anic lessons from Qabab al right? And so they're sitting and subhanAllah, um, they're listening to, they're, they're learning Surah Taha. Right? And as they're learning Surah Taha, subhanAllah, um, and you know, Umar al-Khattab, when he goes to, to the door, he goes to, to knock on the door very harshly. But as he goes, he hears the Qur'an. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Ta ha and he as he hears it he then right for a moment he takes a moment but then he opened, he like you know oh starts banging 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 on the door and subhanallah khabab, arat, he actually goes and he hides and fatima his sister she hides the the quran under her thigh right underneath her and then subhanallah her husband he goes and hides and so when umar he enters and he says what are you listening to right what are you listening to and she says, what do you, we're, first she heard this, well, we were talking, we were discussing some things. He's like, no, I heard you, what were you listening to? And so, uh, you know, she, she's like, what have you, basically she confronts him, what are you come here for? And he confronts her about her Islam he confronts her about her Islam, and as his anger increases, her husband comes out, and when her husband comes out, Omar ibn khattab basically begins to blame him for her conversion, and, and a fight ensues, right, or an altercation ensues, let me say that, an altercation ensues, and so Subhanallah uh, Omar, known to be set, uh, around seven feet tall, he's known to be very large in his stature, very tall, and very strong, he at, literally hits and knocks her husband to the ground. He then, right, turns to Fatima, who then kind of jumps on Omar to try to stop him from hurting her husband, he turns around and uh, knocks her on the ground. And he knocks her on the ground to the point that blood begins to come from her nose and her mouth, near her lip. And so when he sees this, when he sees the blood from his own sister that he's knocked her to the ground and she's bleeding, that he's hit his own sister so hard that she's bleeding from the nose. Omar, he, he gets stunned and he stops in his tracks. Hey, and he goes back to his original question. What were you listening to? What were you doing before I came? And she says, we were reciting the Quran. Hey, she says it like very boldly. That's what we were doing. We were reciting the Quran. And so SubhanAllah, he says, I wanna see it. Let me see it. And she says, you, like, like none can touch it except those who are pure. And so he's like, you won't even let your own brother? And so she says, okay, fine. I'll let you touch it. This is what you got to do. And so in that moment, she teaches him how to make wudu. <laughs> she's, call, she's calling him to submit, even against his own self. <laughs> she's calling him to submit, to make wudu, even in his moment of anger, in his moment of heat. SubhanAllah, how, how bold and strong. But yet, SubhanAllah, how smart. Because, of course, that the heat of his anger becomes soothed by the wudu, by the water. And then she has him sit down. <laughs> right? And so in that moment, he, as she's reciting, right, we have not revealed the Quran to you, O Prophet, to cause you distress. Right? But only as a reminder for those who fear Allah. And then it goes, it is a revelation from the one who created the earth in the high heavens, begins to recite Silpa. <clears throat> and as she as he's reciting Omar ibn Khatab, his heart is softening. His heart is softening, and his mind is wondering. Could this be? Could this be? And so then he. After the moment he calms down and he acknowledges faith, then Qabab who's been hiding comes out, right? And tells him, congratulations, your The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has been praying for you. He's been praying that Allah would use you to be a defender of Islam. That Allah would make you one of those who defend his religion. Can you imagine? That someone comes and says, the, the, the last messenger of Allah has, is making du'a for you, is praying for you specifically by name. And so he says, take me to him. And they make him promise. But when you go see him, you better swear you won't harm him. This is, no, I'm not going for that. And so they said, okay, this is where he is. He's in Dar al So they take him to Dar al and the Prophet is saying he bangs on the door. And just by the nature of upon his, his knock is a little heavy. And so they say, Who is it? And at this time, Hamza is there. So Hamza says, Let the door open. If meaning, he's like, if, he, if he's coming to harm you, let him come, come receive, let him come. If he's thinking that he's coming to harm you, O Muhammad, let him come. Right? And receive and receive his punishment. And if he's coming in with good. Let him receive it." And so they open the door, and it's Umar ibn al khattab and the Prophet sallallahu grabs him. The messenger of Allah sallam, grabs him hard and says, "'Oh, yeah, Umar, isn't it time? Isn't it time that you come in submission to Allah? Or does he have to punish you? Or does he have to show you?' And in that moment, Umar falls to his knees. And he said, Oh Muhammad, I've come to bear bear witness that there's none worthy of worship except Allah, and that you are the Prophet of Allah, that you are His Prophet and His Messenger. SubhanAllah. And the Prophet picks him up, brings him back up to standing, and begins to make dua for him. SubhanAllah, and he begins to proclaim Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And the other believers begin to proclaim Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And they're praising Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala for what? For answering the du'a of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. All right, that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala would bring Umar ibn Khattam into, into the deen. SubhanAllah, bihamdihi SubhanAllah, al with that being said, inshallah, we'll take a pause there. We're ready for a QA, inshallah. But that was that was an amazing story. And, and my reflection on that is that it's amazing how two people who had very different emotions leading up to their path of Islam, path of Allah and the Prophet, um, were very different people. And how it's sort of proof that that. Allah is the turner of hearts. So um, that's that's that's, uh, that's in the not. moments we don't even know. So <laughs> and it's a reminder also that we should never give up on anyone. Even someone who's seemingly an enemy of Islam can be someone who becomes a defender of Islam. Allah. I I wanted to ask, you know, there were a couple of things that that you said, Ustada, that really stood out to me. One thing about earlier, how you mentioned the misguidance of one person can be the guidance of another. I really needed to hear that. It's it's very hopeful. But then also what you mentioned earlier about not giving up on someone. Can you talk a little bit more about how we can differentiate between not giving up on someone versus, you know, when we should kind of call it. Call call it quits because you know it's it's too toxic you know like it's, mm. it's not working out. When do you know the difference? So the thing is, is that even though you may give up on uh, if it if it's a toxic relationship, and and being able to recognize a toxic relationship is very important. Um, and so this, you know, some of the narrations that we have, like for example, I would even say, if someone were to ask me to describe the relationship between Omar ibn Khatab radi an, and Fatima at the moment of his shahada, I would say that was a toxic relationship. Uh, and, and the reason I would say that is because he actually harms her, right? He hits her and her husband, like he's coming to do them harm. Um, I don't know how much toxic, you know, there's, there's, there's for me, that's huge toxic. Um, and I don't think that even we should allow our relationships to get that far, <laughs> right? Um, I think that I think that we would need to establish some boundaries uh, even before that, uh, before there would be physical harm. May Allah subhanahu wa taala protect and save us from that. Um, but there is a difference between um, I am giving. I am. There is a difference between I, I am putting some distance and some boundaries. Right between us, and yet I'm still praying for you. I'm still, you know, maybe even giving sadaqah on your behalf. I'm still asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide your heart and to show you the light. You. Ya Allah, we ask that you give us a complete and perfect faith after which there is no disbelief. Give us certainty in you after which we never doubt. And bless us to be able to choose you every day, ya Allah. Make us amongst those who follow the Prophet, <clears throat> Make us amongst those that are guided right in all of our affairs. Ya be please guide our family members <clears throat> and those whom we love. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1,000 Hearts of Ta'lif and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at www.ta'lifcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.